Hello and welcome to another episode of Social Studies on the Go. Today we'll be looking at Module 10, Lesson 3, which is on Native American removal, or as Andrew Jackson would call, Indian removal. But first, we always like to start with something funny. So the joke for today. Why did Mrs. Scarecrow earn a trophy? Because she was outstanding in her field. The Indian Removal Act. Native Americans had long lived in settlements stretching from Georgia to Mississippi. However, President Jackson and other political leaders wanted to open this land to settlement by American farmers. Opening new land to white settlement would also increase economic development. Under pressure from Jackson, Congress passed the Indian Removal Act in 1830. This policy toward American Indian nations authorized the removal of Native Americans who lived east of the Mississippi River to lands in the West. Congress then established Indian Territory, U.S. land in what is now Oklahoma, and planned to move Native Americans there. Some supporters of this plan, like John C. Calhoun, argued that removal to Indian Territory would protect Indians from further conflicts with American settlers. One of the greatest evils to which they are subject is that incessant or constant pressure of our population, he noted. To guard against this evil, there ought to be the strongest assurance that the country given to them should be theirs. To manage their Indian removal to Western lands, Congress approved the creation of a new government agency, the Bureau of Indian Affairs. The Choctaw were the first Indians sent to Indian territory. The Mississippi legislature abolished the Choctaw government and then forced the Choctaw leaders to sign the Treaty of Dancing Rabbit Creek. This treaty gave more than 7.5 million acres of land to the state. The Choctaw moved to Indian Territory during a disastrous winter trip. Federal officials did not provide enough food or supplies to the Choctaw, most of whom were on foot. About one-fourth of the Choctaw died of cold, disease, or starvation. News of the Choctaw's hardships caused other Indians to resist removal. When the Creek resisted in 1836, Federal troops resolved this conflict by moving in and capturing some 14,500 of them. They led the Creek, many in chains, to Indian Territory. Keep in mind that the Creek were the tribe that Andrew Jackson had targeted back in the War of 1812. One Creek woman remembered the trip being filled with the awful silence that showed the heartaches and sorrow at being taken from the homes and even separation from loved ones. The Chickasaw, who lived in Upper Mississippi, negotiated a treaty for better supplies on their trip to Indian Territory. Nevertheless, many Chickasaw lives were also lost during removal. Cherokee Resistance Many Cherokee had believed that they could prevent conflicts and avoid removal by adopting the contemporary culture of white people. So contemporary is modern. 
in the early 1800s, they invited missionaries to set up schools where Cherokee children learned how to read and write in English. The Cherokee developed their own government, modeled after the U.S. Constitution, with an election system, a bicameral council, which means two houses of legislature, and a court system. All of these were headed by a principal chief. A leader named Sequoia used 86 characters to represent Cherokee syllables to create a writing system for their own complex language. In 1828, his contribution led the Cherokee to begin publishing a newspaper printed in both English and Cherokee. The adoption of white culture did not protect the Cherokee. After gold was discovered on their land in Georgia, their treaty rights were ignored. Georgia leaders began preparing for the Cherokee's removal. When they refused to move, the Georgia militia began attacking Cherokee towns. Instead of responding with force, the Cherokee fought in the American court or judicial system. They sued the federal government, claiming that they had sovereignty or the right to be respected as a foreign country. The case, the Cherokee Nation v. Georgia, reached the Supreme Court in 1831. Chief Justice John Marshall, however, refused to hear the case. He ruled that the Cherokee had no right to bring suit since they were neither citizens nor a foreign country. The Cherokee, however, had another plan of attack. Samuel Austin Worcester was a white man, a teacher, and a friend to the Cherokee. The state of Georgia, carrying out the Indian Removal Act, ordered Worcester to leave Cherokee land. He refused and brought suit on behalf of himself and the Cherokee. In the suit, the Cherokee said, they were an independent or sovereign nation and claimed that the government of Georgia had no legal power over their lands. In 1832, the Supreme Court, under the leadership of Chief Justice John Marshall, agreed. In Worcester v. Georgia, the court ruled that the Cherokee Nation was a distinct community in which the laws of Georgia had no force. The court also stated that only the federal government, not the states, had authority over Native Americans. Georgia, however, ignored the court's ruling, and President Jackson's response was to take no action to make Georgia follow the ruling. John Marshall made his decision, now let him enforce it, Jackson supposedly said. By not enforcing the court's decision, Jackson violated the presidential oath to uphold the laws of the land. However, most members of Congress and American citizens did not protest the ways Jackson removed Native Americans. This contributed to the struggle between the Cherokee Nation and the United States government. In the spring of 1838, U.S. troops began to remove all Cherokee and resettle them in Indian territory. A few were able to escape and hide in the mountains of North Carolina. After the Cherokee were removed, Georgia took their businesses, took their farms, and their property. The Cherokee's 800-mile forced march became known as the Trail of Tears. During the march, Cherokee suffered from disease, hunger, and harsh weather. Almost one-fourth of the 18,000 Cherokee died on the march. Today, members of the Cherokee Nation of northeastern Oklahoma are descendants of the Cherokee who were removed to Indian Territory.
The group's population is about 70,000. Members of the Eastern Band of Cherokee Indians are the descendants of the Cherokee who escaped removal. The 8,100 members of this group live mostly in Western North Carolina. Other Native Americans resist. Other Native Americans decided to fight U.S. troops to avoid removal. Chief Blackhawk, a leader of the Fox and Sauk Indians, led his people in a struggle to protect their lands in Illinois. By 1832, however, the Sauk forces were running out of food and supplies. And by 1850, they had been forced to leave. In Florida, Seminole leaders were forced to sign a removal treaty that their followers decided to ignore. And of course, who forced them was Andrew Jackson back in 1818. A leader named Osceola called upon his people to resist with force and the Second Seminole War began. Osceola was captured and soon died in prison. His followers, however, continued to fight. Some 4,000 Seminole were removed and hundreds of others killed. Eventually, U.S. officials decided to give up the fight. Small groups of Seminole had resisted removal, and their descendants live in Florida today. In this way, the conflict between the Seminoles and the United States officials was resolved. Chief Blackhawk and Osceola were social leaders because they worked for better living conditions for their people. And that is it for Module 10, Lesson 3. I hope you enjoyed this edition of Social Studies on the go. See you next time.